to the Boxing Rant Podcast. Leave your kid gloves at home. But I'm the best ever. My style is impetuous. There's no one that can match me. I'm the most brutal and vicious and most ruthless champion there's ever been. My defense is impregnable. Anybody can What up, what up, fight fans? Welcome back to episode 348 of the Boxing Rant Podcast. I'm Kenny Keith, and I'm joined as always by Vince Cummings. What up, Ben? What's going on, brother? I know we've had some fights so far this year. We've had some decent ones, but I I don't know about you, but it just feels like boxing season is getting ready to kick off this Saturday. Well, of course, because Ryguy back in action, you know? Nah, young. Triple G back in action. Oh, word, word. Um, Dude, it's a huge fight week, and it is. I mean, look, anytime Gennady Golovkin steps into the ring, it's a big moment, right? He's been a little inactive as he's aged. Mm Mm-hmm. But still, we know what uh, what a win, a victory in this fight, and a victory in the upcoming Canelo fight means for the end of the year in boxing. Um, look, things are lining up for a big year, and this truly kicks off Season 9 of the Boxing Ramp Podcast. We've said that at least four times this year. Well, now I'm actually trying. Yeah, now we're actually trying. Yeah. We're, we're actually watching uh, footage and fights and <laughs> right. you know, going back and, and correcting the millions of times that we misspeak on every episode because it's like... Yeah, we should probably like try to like re box rack again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he ain't undefeated no more, man. I, yeah, I'm, re- I'm relying on my my knowledge from the past. Like, yeah, shit's drying up, son. <laughs> yeah, very unreliable, <laughs> uh, for sure. But yeah, it's the return of Triple G. Uh, Ryan Garcia graces us with an influential presence, <laughs> and Erickson Lubin versus Sebastian Fundora, and truly. Um, just a visual spectacular, a clash of styles that, in my opinion, is sure to please. And then what would an episode of TBR be if we didn't talk about Tank, Devin, and the lightweights, young? Oh, come on now. I mean, those guys, <laughs> look, it, without those guys, I don't think we had a show for the past year and a half. We're like, no. well, we can always talk about these guys. <laughs> Good thing these guys started running their mouths right at the beginning of COVID, right? <laughs> it really helped us connect the dots. Like right before a show, it's like, yeah, let's just look at what they said for the past three days. We'll talk about that for a half hour. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, unfortunately, my 41-year-old brain can't go back to the future and turn 25 again. You know? Nah, nah, but they're going to learn today, Kevin. <laughs> They're going to learn today. They're going to learn about Triple G today on here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They know, this, this, this is the Triple G podcast. Right. As we've been, you know, what did we get that label three, four years ago? Maybe longer than that. Yeah, because I wore a t-shirt. And yep. I, think, I think he's got something for Mr. Murata. But we'll get to the fight preview um, in just a minute here on episode 348 of the Boxing Rant Podcast. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do so. And rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We appreciate any rating you give. Just be honest, because that's what we do. Subscribe to the video version of the show on the Boxing Rant YouTube channel. And follow us on Twitter at VinceCummings81 and at the Boxing Rant. All right, Vin, let's go to Saitama, Japan. It's Gennady Golovkin versus Ryota Murata for the Unified Middleweight Championship of the World. Look... Most of boxing Twitter right now is on tilt because it is Gennady Golovkin fight week. And I'm not talking about the knob slobbing type, right? Yeah. Because it seems like now, even those that were the most positive about Triple G have grown apathetic, have mm-hmm. grown tired, have grown impatient as he has grown older 
And so there's this, you know, I think everybody sort of, even the most diehard Triple G fans were fucking inundated with so much of that talk that everybody just began to view the old man through aged, tinted glasses. Yeah. You see a guy getting older, but maybe he hasn't declined as much as the haters think. I listened to uh, the three knockdown rule the other day, and, and Dougie Fisher was on there, and he talked about going back and watching that Cesar Meadow fight. And I was like, you know what? Let me do that, because I think I had, like, originally going in to watch that fight in any of Triple G's most recent fights, you're, there's an expected, like, I'm expecting a decline. I'm expecting. So it's almost, like, drilled into my head that he's not going to look as good as he as he did or should. So I went back and watched. And I'm telling you, the first three or four rounds, I'm watching that, I'm going, I don't know, man. <laughs> this motherfucker looks pretty goddamn sharp to me. Like, he's not what he was in 2016 against David Lemieux. But the slippage, because I'm telling you right now, I'm watching him throw that jab. I'm watching him mix in punches. Now, is he? Is it as many punches as we we're used to seeing him throw? You know, in, in his heyday, nobody's his selection is just as smart. His IQ is so fucking good. His chin, like, you're watching it and you're going, this guy possesses all of the things that it takes to have a career and be uh, still competitive at the top level at 40 years old. He's got an unbelievable chin. His jab is still top five in the sport right now. I don't even care if I haven't seen him in two years. I know that motherfucker is showing up on Saturday and that piston's going to be fucking, it's going to be firing and, and it's going to look good. You know, I, to me, I, I'm as this fight is approached, I'm I'm starting to go like, look, I'm one of those people that kind of there's a bit been a, been a bit of malaise to the last three years of Triple G for me. Don't lie, you've been pushing him up to the edge of the cliff the whole time, I, I, dude. I, I, I'm I'm yeah, I I'm hundred percent. Like I, I, it's almost like I wanted it to happen, and this week I'm 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 having this level of like, you know what, you got to appreciate fucking guys like Gennady Golovkin. Uh, because not only has he delivered, you know, take that can crusher narrative, that Triple G beaten bums narrative, and just get the fuck out of here with that. I, I don't want to hear that. You want to run with that, go run with that. What I'm talking about is the run of fights that he has given us at the end of his career. 36 years old. Just for a little perspective for motherfuckers, you want to go back and look at fighters who's got big wins late in their career? Like, go look back at Oscar De La Hoya. That motherfucker don't have a big win after the age of 29. You're talking about a guy that at the age of 36 is giving us the best of him and the best fights that we've seen out of his career and giving fans. Yeah, What more could you ask for from a 36 to 40-year-old fighter? You're just not getting it from anybody. Not Manny Pacquiao. I mean, yeah, okay, Manny was still giving it to us, but not at that war level that we've seen Triple G doing at 38 years old. No, it was a different version of Manny. Yeah, it was, and and look, this is a slightly different version of Triple G, too. But I'm telling everybody right now, take your dumbass feelings about whether you like him, you don't like him, you know, he was a hype job, he was this, he was that, whatever you, whatever camp you fall in. You better appreciate what this motherfucker does. Like, as a boxing fan, if you can't appreciate Triple G and what he is in the ring, I, I don't, I don't know what's wrong with you because this guy gives you about all, all he can give. Absolutely. Um, you know, everybody wants to see the guy go off the cliff. 
I don't want to see him go off the cliff. I want to see him in huge fights, right? Mm-hmm. And people are sleeping on how big of a fight this is over in Japan, how big of a star Golovkin is internationally. Um, this is going to be a mega event over there, right? Right. Ryota Murata as a fighter is not... He's very limited, okay? Yeah. He does not have the wide variety of tools in his toolbox like Gennady Golovkin. Mm-mm. He does one thing pretty good. I'm not even going to say he does it really well. I'm just going to say he does it pretty good. He goes to the body decently, mm-hmm. but the guy has no guard. He loops his shots like it, it, he wings them. He and shoots it, from the hip a little bit. He does shoot from the hip a little bit, and I, that's not good going up against one of the great jabs in boxing history. It's just not – it doesn't play well for him. Now, if Murata has enough power and is able to touch Triple G up early in the fight to the body, maybe that can neutralize him a little bit because he is an older fighter. The physical shape that I see Gennady Golovkin coming into this fight in – this is the best physically his body has ever looked, mm-hmm. okay? Um, he looks refreshed in the face almost. You know, after those two Canelo fights, there was like a like an exhaustion. And I think it was a physical exhaustion. You go through some wars like that, it, it's, it's going to take a toll on you, right? But the mental exhaustion, the mind fuck of getting the draw on a, on, in, in a fight in the first bout that most people thought Golovkin won comfortably, right? Mm-hmm. Not by wide margin, but comfortably. Yeah. Um, and then the second fight is still up for debate, right? So, look, that's a lot for a man who was built into a myth to endure. And personally, I don't think it was very fair. But fuck that. Life's not fair. Right. So we're here now with the refreshed Triple G. Right. I think I'm going to bounce off of what you said, Vin that this guy brings it every single time. Mm-hmm. And the way that I feel about this matchup with Ryota Murata is that it's going to be a jab and a fucking straight right. It's just going to be a one-two that seals the deal. And it's going to be night-night. You know, look, Golovkin personally, I don't think that the decline with him has been, it hasn't been dramatic enough, you know? You hold people to different standards. We see fighters get old all the time. We saw fucking Sergey uh, Kovalev get old in a few fights, like dramatically old, like he fell off the cliff, right? Mm-hmm. That happened with him. This, uh, people f- fucking, Derevyanchenko gets Golovkin to wince on a body shot, yeah. right? And it's like, look, see? I told you. I told you you can hurt the Incredible Hulk. It's like, come on, guys. Wait, like, can can we put all these guys on the same table and look at them through a clear lens for once? <laughs> Not Triple G, buddy. <laughs> Hell no. He's been one of the most polarizing fighters of this generation. And, and it's weird to me that, that people have just, there's an entire, like, it, it's almost split 50-50, but I don't get the 50% that just immediately, like, they're trying to downplay this fight week. And and look, I get it. It's, it's in Japan. It's not the biggest deal in this country. But if you're a legit diehard boxing fan... Look, a Triple G fight is a pretty fucking big deal. Like, there's not that many guys, and I get it. He hasn't fought in two years. All that. You know, the middleweight division because of him. All of it. But he's also a living legend. Like, I I don't think people respect that. This guy's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yep. A living legend. Fighting at 40 years old. Fighting for belts. Like, there's a certain level of just, you got to hang it up and, and like, just say, I got to respect what this fucking dude. At least, if anything. 
I, I just got to respect what this motherfucker is doing at this age. He's still the number one ranked middleweight in the world, and he will be turning 40 years old the day before the fight. And none of those other Bamas in that division have any, like, what's your argument? To, yeah, where's to your clout? <laughs> I just, I, it's, and it's sad because that entire division, honestly, has been rotten for like three years. It really has. This hopefully like starts to breathe some life in, life into it, but it doesn't matter because Golovkin's going to 168 after he. I'll, I'll give you my prediction here. Ryota Murata, in my opinion, is a. I won't say he's and he's not even overrated. He is the perfect fighter for Triple G. Literally, shots coming from here, out here, just fucking broadways. This is six lanes going both directions. Uh, I think he's going to get fucking busted up. And I think it's going to look like, you remember like um, the, like uh, the Matthew Macklin, Daniel Geal, Curtis Stevens run of mm-hmm. Triple G, where he would catch guys in exchanges, and sometimes he would get caught. But his punch would do severely more damage. Yeah. I think it's going to be one of those situations where there's an exchange in the first five or six rounds of this fight that changes everything. And I think Triple G drops him once and finishes him. I, I, I'll say... Fifth round, it's done. Fifth round? Fifth round. I mean, I just can't see Triple G at even 50 years old losing to a guy who lost to Hassan Endom. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just don't see that and happening. And Rob Brandt. Yeah, 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 yeah. See? He look, got literally got outboxed by Rob Brandt for 12 rounds. The most vanilla middleweight in the world. I, I, I mean, I know Brandt, could, he moved in the fight and whatever, but... This, Still, yeah. limited fighter, man. Very, very limited, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I don't know if it happens in the fifth. He Look, I don't... There's like this call, again, like these higher expectations Golovkin has, yeah. you know, has to do more. He has to make a statement if I'm going to care about the trilogy. I just don't understand how you motherfuckers out there don't get it through your thick heads or the, you, you must have just started watching boxing yesterday. I mean, Gennady Golovkin has given us two of probably the five best fights of the last five or six years. Yeah. You know, he's given us wars. Oh, you don't want to see that Three again? Three of ten, maybe. You've had the Derevianchenko fight in there. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Which was a brutal, it was. physical, physical fight, man. Um, you know, and 40-year-old Triple G, two-year layoff. Uh, give him a 10-year layoff. Uh, I'll go ahead and just say a six-round knockout. Uh, we'll fucking play the over-under at five and a half. How about that? Yeah, that, that sounds right about <laughs> right to me. And, and, and look, you know. I know people are gonna gonna hear this and be like, "Oh yeah, hey, like he can even do that to say." Look, it it doesn't like I'm I'm making this selection more based on the fact of what I know of Ryota Murata and the type of fighter he is, and the type of fighter that Gennady Golovkin is, and how that's all wrong for Murata. Yeah, it's absolutely wrong for him. You hear Murata over there; they're interviewing him, and he's like. Well, yeah, I mean, Gennady Golovkin's past his prime. He's over the hill. I mean, like, this is coming from, like, everybody just assumes, again, because Gennady Golovkin's super old, that Murata must be super young, no, right? No, He has to be, right? No. For our narrative to keep going. No. no, he's fucking 36 years old. This guy, Ryota Murata is over the hill. He's past the prime, but he didn't really have a prime, right? This is something completely different. This is living legend on a slow, casual jaunt 
down a brisk decline, <laughs> right? It doesn't even make you speed walk. No. That well, is how slow it is. Yeah, and, and Ryota Murata is not going to increase that, that decline at all. No, and no. If he does, then Triple G literally didn't train at all for this fight. Yeah, or it's just <laughs> over, over. <laughs> how could it be? <laughs> you know? And it could be over. You never know. I, I, that, that could happen. I'm just, I'm not seeing it. Man. No, neither have I. The guy hasn't even fucking been dropped before. Um, all right, let's get to the Ryan Garcia fight. Then, oh. Okay? Because nothing influences... There could be polar polar opposites. <laughs> nothing influences me in boxing as a boxing fan, a commentator on the sport, right? Then the influential existence of Ryan Garcia. It influences the show. It influences erections. Uh, you know, and that's a global effect. That's just not here under the table. No, no, that's yeah, that's that's nationwide. That's it, worldwide. Exactly. But that's kind of the problem with Ryan Garcia. He's more known for that yeah. th- than he is for fighting. Yeah. I, I, to be honest with you, I, I I knew this fight was this weekend, but it is so far in the number three hole for me. Yeah. As far as intrigue and what's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm glad he's back, man. I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and I've, like I've said enough about Ryan Garcia. We've all heard it on this podcast. Look, you're either fucking serious or you're not. Like this fight is nice. It's good that you're back. You're getting in the ring Saturday. It looks like we should believe you to be getting in the ring Saturday. It is after that. It is what happens after this fight. Are are you going to fight again this year? Are you going to? Have another episode of Ryan Garcia does whatever. Something happens to Rye Guy. Like I it's hard to get fucking intrigued with this guy's career when when like day to day this guy don't know if he's fucking coming or going. It's really easy to tell the mental state of a man by the context of his tattoos. Okay? <laughs> and when I look at Ryan Garcia's tats, they all seem like emotional breakdown tats, don't they? <laughs> like, like you know. This was that day yeah. when that happened, and I, my mom called me, and, and I cried for hours. You know, no, I don't want to beat him up too bad on this show either. It, it, look, if he stays consistently in the ring, it's good for boxing. Yes, right. If you're looking for big paydays and you're looking to be this kind of influencer. You can do what Tank's doing and almost exist in your own lucrative market. Yeah. But you have to do it consistently. Yes. Right? And then pair that with your influential state. Because at some point, people are going to be like, Ryan Garcia the boxer? No. Ryan Garcia the Instagram model, bro. (laughs) You know? And I I don't know. Maybe he wants to be known more for that. At times, it seems like it. And that's why, to me, it's like, look, man, you know. I'm not I'm not going to invest my time into your fucking career, bro. Like no. either start taking the shit seriously and, and 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 make like there's honestly a large group of boxing fans that are like, "Look, glad to see you back, bud, but uh is this like for real?" Yeah. Like are we fucking or what? Are What's just, happening here? Are, <laughs> are you just refilling the coffers? Right. You know? Don't just come show me your dick. Use it, motherfucker. What are Emmanuel Tagos chances in this fight, Vin? Uh, he's an experienced fighter he is he's tough guy sturdy guy at the athletic uh difference here is is a, is a problem for to go yeah because ryan garcia is not 35 on a comeback he's 25 on a comeback uh, uh, look yeah exactly <laughs> and, I, and i'm interested to see you know if anything i i don't i think ryan garcia pretty much is who he is as a fighter 
but if Joe Goosen was able to like implement anything or change anything about his attack, uh, I'm sure he changed. Uh, you know, the lineup in his closet add a little you know, different shades of denim. You know, <laughs> I guarantee that. Hey, at least we get we get in denim Joe this weekend. We know that, dude. What if Rye guy came out in his ring walk, rocking denim? He should. That he, shit would be tight. He really should. <laughs> that would be fucking hilarious. Look, if anybody can get through Ryan Garcia, I don't think it's a matter. I think any trainer that is worth their salt can take the talent of Ryan Garcia yeah. and maximize it, right? Yeah. But I think with a guy like Ryan Garcia, you need a character, uh, a forceful, strong personality like a Joe Goosen to crack that facade. I think he needs that kind of 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 trainer in his life that can back it up. The guy's been the cornerman for huge fights over the last 20, 30 years, right? Mm -hmm. And this is a guy that I think can tap into Ryan Garcia. Ryan Garcia is almost the prototypical fighter for what Joe Goosen likes to do in the ring. Yeah. So I think the pairing, if it's gelling well, I haven't heard anything to the contrary um, look, all breakups are ugly. So the people that trash Ryan Garcia for the way that he handled the Canelo, uh, Eddie Reynoso breakup. Well, I did. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, cause it deserved to be trashed. It did. It absolutely deserved to be trashed. And he handled it like a fucking petulant child. Yes. Right. Um, look, he can be the novelty or he could be a great fighter. He has the capability to be both, but I don't think you can do both and commit to both fully. No, and look, I don't expect him to like prove it, you know, in this fight. But it's it's if he struggles in this fight and looks like okay, something's off with like mentally is off with this kid. Like I, he that's how close he is to being done in his career. Like to me, that is literally it's it's right there. It's. If this fight is a struggle for him and you see that that mental aspect of, look, but once a fighter's broken mentally, man, it's kind of hard to come back from that. Like, that's that's a serious fucking thing when, when, when it comes to being a, a professional prize fighter. And at times, his psyche has looked broken. That's outside of the ring. If that spills over to in the ring, then we got big problems. Does, does Emmanuel Togo have anything in his hands that could thwart Ryan Garcia in the, in the first or second round to get him, you know, back into a mental state of not believing into him, you know, not believing in himself. No, I think he, I think Garcia's got such uh, an athletic and speed advantage in this fight that he's going to get comfortable pretty quickly with to go. What's your call? Uh, I'll say to go last fairly deep into the fight and he and it may go the distance but i'll say i'll say garcia gets a stoppage at some point in the second half okay yeah i'll i'll, I'll say uh i'll say rye guy ninth round knockout yeah yeah all right so let's get to this fight that may be the most intriguing on the docket all right erickson lubin at one point when he came up out of florida he was a young rising star mm -hmm. in the pbc this guy, in you know, in a lot of people's eyes, because you got to remember when Lubin came up as a young, young fighter, right? I mean, what he turned pro with Mike Tyson when he was a teenager, right? 
Yeah, you're, you're right. I forgot all about that. Yeah, like 17, 16, 17 years old. Yeah. Yeah, he was really, really young. Um, I forgot all about him signing with Tyson. Yeah. And so, you know, look, and Lubin looked apart because he was he's tall. He was tall for the weight class at the time. He had really good intangibles, good reach, good hand speed, decent power. And he just bit off more than he could chew mm-hmm. jumping in with Charlo. Yeah, right. Yep. And he's looked really good since. This matchup here against Sebastian Fundora is such a unique proposition for any fighter, but so unique for Erickson Lubin in this moment. Mm-hmm. Because not only is this an eliminator to go on to bigger and better things, right? This is Erickson Lubin getting his shot again. Yeah. It, but Sebastian Fundora says it's his time. Erickson Lubin, he might be five foot eleven, right? Yeah. Sebastian Fundora is six foot motherfucking six <laughs> and he's a 154 pounder who likes to bang yeah this is not this is not gilberto ramirez okay this is not callum smith this is not one of these really tall fighters that against inferior competition it's like well there's something here but as soon as they fight like a man yeah it's like why is he throwing his punches like that He's like a, he's like a a lankier, a little bit slower version of Paul Williams. He he really is. <laughs> he really is. I don't know what this means for Erickson Lubin. I don't know how he gets inside. Maybe he gets inside because Fundora wants to be close to him to bang. Right. This is such an interesting matchup. My brain tells me to pick Fundora. Yeah. I don't know if I'm really high and being misled a little bit by my brain. <laughs> How feel you? I, look, I'm kind of the same way. It's it's real. It's just one of those fights. I, I believe they're both minus one ten at the books. It's 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 a straight up pick 'em fight, and it's hard to say. You know, confidently, either one of these guys is going to win. I'd say this. Um, I think I think there is an issue with Erickson Lubin and his chin, and I think he got hurt in his last fight late against uh, Gauche. Yep. And we saw Gauche, he's got pop. There's not like, he's not like a guy that can't punch. But it's a persistent thing I've seen in multiple fights with Lubin. Um, you know, and the Charlo fight aside, he, he that was such a, a young, stupid mistake, dipping down into that punch at the, right at the start of the fight. Just completely, completely amateur mistake. But I, I still believe it's a question and the volume of Fundura. I know he's not a huge power puncher, but landing in succession over rounds, how is Lubin going to hold up to that? Because I think if he can hold up to that, I think he can land some really big shots on, on a wide-open Fundura, and he's going to be the volume of Fundura and the you know the snappier, uh, stronger counterpunching of Lubin. Who lands more and how the judges like it, I, you know, I really don't know, man. I think this I think this fight goes 12 rounds, and I think it's a split decision or a really close majority majority decision for either one of these guys in a fucking – I'm going to say there's going to be rounds in this fight where just based on the size discrepancy and what, what these guys have to do to get to each other, there's going to be some fucking exciting shit happening in this fight, man. Yeah, I think that uh, Sebastian Fundora is going to, at some point, expose exactly what you're talking about. You know, it's the one thing with Erickson Lubin. I believe that his chin was cracked at some point and that there, the, 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 the scar tissue hasn't quite healed. You yeah. know what I mean? He's still susceptible to it. 
Um, I think Fundora puts enough leverage on his punches. He's not one of these guys that's just throwing all sort of like arm punches. A lot of these tall guys that get in close will just, you know. Just, he's, he's remarkably good inside for a six foot six guy, man. He's nimble, yeah. you know, and he, he he's able to throw accurate combinations with long arms, which is very contrary to what we've seen from tall fighters in the past. Yeah. Right. Um, look, I think Fundora is going to have too much for an Erickson Lubin that might be a few years older than his birth certificate says in boxing years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Fundora ends up stopping him at some point. It'll be, it'll be surprising. It'll be a shot that clips him, and there'll be a disconnection. And I think Fundora has the wherewithal, and um, he just has the nastiness to him, I think, that we'll get to see if he can finish at an elite level. I just can't see... Erickson Lubin successfully navigating such a monstrous human being for this entire fight. I'm gonna I'm gonna say gun to my head making a pick in this fight that we we're gonna see a little bit of Sebastian Fondor where why he's gotten to where he's gotten to is the size, and he's gonna be facing a really good fighter that might be coming into his own as a fighter mm-hmm. too, which is possible with Lubin at this time right now, confidence wise, all that. I think Lubin gets him. I don't think he stops him. I don't think he drops him. I don't think any of that. But I think Lubin's able to establish himself at some point in this fight as the better fighter and, and win a very fucking close decision. All very, right. very close. See, motherfuckers, we don't always agree. I don't agree with anything that fucking <laughs> motherfucker does. <you know? laughs> um, yeah, I, look, that's what's great about this fight. That's why it is what it is at the books. I can see the fucking line makers now having a similar conversation. Like, yeah. When was the last time this fucking happened? How are we supposed to fucking figure this out? <laughs> exactly. Oh, boxing gave us a 50-50 fight. What do you fucking know? <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's not minus 1,200. No, no. But uh, Ryan Garcia is, I think, minus 1,600 for his fight. Is he really? Yeah. That is, wow, that's really <laughs> high. It is. That's it is. really high. Oh, man. Let's talk about some fighters that be acting high sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get to the lightweight division. Uh, Tank Davis versus Raleigh Romero uh, scheduled to take place on May 28th on Showtime pay-per-view Brooklyn, New York. June 4th, week later, on ESPN from Melbourne, Australia. It's the undisputed lightweight championship of the world. George Cambosis versus Devin Haney. So there's been some turmoil in, in the Mayweather promotions Tank Davis camp, wouldn't you say? Oh, you don't say, Ken. <laughs> we haven't had a chance to talk about this yet. And I could have never guessed anything that anything like that would have ever happened. This relationship has never seemed tight to me. No. <laughs> it's like he signed with him when he was so young and Mayweather was still had that shine on him. Yep. You know, now he's working for a fucking for this scoundrel with a fake beard. He's like, what the fuck happened to Floyd? <laughs> He's like, I didn't, man, if I knew I was going to sign up and Ellerby was calling the shots. Uh, <laughs> Ellerby, Leonard Ellerby and, and Mayweather Promotions has literally steered Tank Davis's career into a pay-per-view sideshow, almost a minor league level because of what, there's been nothing on the line other than regular belts. Right. They're, They're getting paid, though. They, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, you know what? Take the pay, stick it. To my taint. Okay, I'm gonna leave that there for now. We'll revisit that. Part. Okay, because that's where that kind of conversation belongs. Down, yeah, down there tickling my twine. All right. 
Um, you know, but the real talk on 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 Tank is is that his relationship has is fractured probably for the most part because they haven't been giving this guy the big fights. They haven't gotten him shit. They've all they've been trying to convince the public, just like they've been trying to convince Tank that Raleigh Romero is worth a shit, right? Yeah. He is fighting for a regular lightweight championship the week before the undisputed lightweight championship of the world takes place against the guy in Raleigh Romero who is a borderline piss-poor sparring partner <laughs> le- level of opponent compared to Tank Davis. Yeah. This I, this this fight his relationship I don't no wonder he's fucking salty but it was an open negotiating period <laughs> with George Cambosis for an opportunity to fight for the undisputed lightweight championship and they chose some more of this easy road shit against a guy in Raleigh Romero who's going to get slept in five rounds. I mean, look, if you're, I mean, this is just generally speaking, and especially since uh, we know that Tank Davis is now on his last fight of his contract with TMT. This, right. This is it. Yep. The fact that Floyd Mayweather and TMT did not even attempt, as far as we know, to make a play at fighting George Cambosis in Australia in a very winnable fight that the, for them, in a fight that immediately shuts all of the bullshit up if he wins. You know, they, they didn't even fucking attempt. Not even, like, a throwaway offer. Nothing. Like, not even a fake me out like we, we want to fight, but we really don't want to fight. So that says a fucking lot to me. Now, whether that says anything about Tank, it says more, more about Leonard and Floyd to me and, and the way they've managed his career. You ain't going to sit here and tell me that Tank Davis is scared to fight any of these no guys, any of these guys at lightweight. He's he's just as skillful and and I'd venture to say would probably be a favorite against eighty percent of them. So you know you can put all that nonsense to bed. It's it, it's just such a fucking shame. And and now he's sitting back and watching a twenty three year old Devin Haney. That look Devin's been getting. Just as much shit, if not more shit, than Tank. But he's but, been forcing the issue, right? And when he, when it had, when it came time to put his big boy pants on and and maybe swallow a little bit of his pride and and take a deal that he maybe didn't want, he's doing it, and he and he stepped out of his box to do it. And at this point, if you're Tank Davis, you're watching a 23 year old getting ready to possibly launch his career into the stratosphere as you are approaching, you know. At 28, creeping on your 30s in the in these lighter divisions, a fighter like Tank relying on his athleticism as much as he does in the ring. He's behind the eight ball, man. I know he's made a lot of money. Like you just said, tuck that up under your taint and let it fucking, you know, let it let it let it tingle you down there. And I get it. He's made the money and all of that is there. But that only lasts so long. I feel like even with his fans. Me being one of them, the charade is like it's run thin. We 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 see through it now. Uh, like it's it's beyond annoying at this point. We we want to see this guy in with these fighters that we know he's as at least as good at or or good as or good enough to compete with. And it's just so the 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 frustration and malaise is just set in where it's like I, I don't know, man. Raleigh Romero, like when this fight died. When Raleigh got, you know, had those accusations made against him that were clearly false, Ken. Clearly, <laughs> clearly, he doesn't. He doesn't appear to be a man that would 
tell anybody to look at his dick, no. let, alone, let alone touch it. No, no, he doesn't <laughs> seem like the wild card type at all. No, no, no. Never known anyone like him in my life. <laughs> but I like this fight was dead. It was dead in the water. Nobody gave a fuck then. Why? Like, why did this thing have to have life breathe back into it? Is this a Raleigh Romero payday? Like, do, does TMT owe him something as a fighter? I, I, I don't know. They're letting their best fighter in their camp slip away. This contract's over. Uh, he's talked so much shit, and I know some of it's been deleted and all that about Devin Haney, and he's he's made some cryptic comments about TMT and Floyd and the way they've managed his career. To me, it seems like it's over, and it's just I'm I'm watching it all, and I'm thinking I don't get it. Why are you just letting your best fighter go? Why have you dealt with his career the way you've dealt with it? It just makes no sense. And then you go, well, yeah, it made fucking money. So it didn't need to make sense. He He's literally, his career has been steered and driven by a man who carried Floyd Mayweather's spit bucket, <laughs> right? Like by his security guard, like that got promoted because he was the only one that was willing to accept Rolexes as a form of payment, <laughs> right? <laughs> or at least he was the one guy that was just, he just had enough fucking, you know, enough in him to just block out what Floyd's been saying and deal with that nonsense for a decade and a half. I just don't think that, that Leonard Ellerby was ever qualified to promote a talent like no. Tank Davis. No. And Floyd is so, dude, he's one of the sketchiest dudes. Like, <laughs> You know what I mean? He's so fucking sketchy. That that video he was in a couple weeks ago, or it was probably a month ago now, where he's like with Kanye and Madonna, and like you're just like, what? What is happening here? Fucking weirdos! (laughs) What is happening? He's a weirdo. Yeah. You know, I mean, look, that's cool. You know, I I don't have a problem with weirdos, but Floyd has always seemed detached from this tank thing, and only appears when it's convenient for Floyd. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And. How many promotions has he made it about himself or tried to distract? It's almost like he can't handle the fact that he is not the centerpiece of it. And he thought that he could use tank as a conduit for it. Yeah. And unfortunately, man, I mean, Floyd being Floyd, just, just watch the way he would behave in the corner at the beginning of tanks. Career. I mean, shit, pretty much all the way up until now. He's yelling and shouting down the fucking corner, man. Yeah. Oh and delivering God. instruction to the guy. It's like Floyd. And he's got a great corner. He doesn't need Floyd doing that. Exactly. Exactly. Dude, the whole thing has seemed really fucking piss poor. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, they made money. And this fight in Brooklyn, regardless of what I think about Raleigh Romero, he's going to fill seats. They're going to sell tickets. And it'll look good on TV. And I'm sure because Raleigh Romero is really that bad and sloppy and like un like don't be that you don't need to be that aggressive. You're not good enough to be that aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I you know? Right. Like oh jeez. Like Ruslan Provodnikov had a redeeming quality to him that allowed him to be aggressive. Right. And this does not exist elsewhere. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Certainly not in this fight. Um, It'll know, be fun while it lasts, though. Yes, but this this should be a return to the tank that takes scalps that we yes. have grown accustomed to over the years. Yes, it should be, and hopefully it's it's rather quick. And, and, and the next move is made in his career, whether it be landing with a new promoter or however it's going to go from here. 
Uh, it needs to happen fast for this kid, man, or else we're we're I'm literally three years away from like the decline of Tank Davis beginning. Yeah, I mean he's just like kind of become. I don't know, the East Coast version of Jose Ramirez at that point. <laughs> right. And it's not to say that Jose Ramirez no. didn't do great things in his career. It's a former unified champion. Right. But you just become you just become a traveling event. You know, like you're not you don't become the economy that you think you are. Right. But at the same time, let's be fair, too many fighters and too many promoters rely on the money from television contracts to pay the purses that are exorbitant enough for this. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. But going on pay-per-view his entire career, his numbers, not to try to sound too clever, but they're tanking. They've they've gone down, for sure. I would say this. There's one, like, all of this being said about Tank and where his career's at, any fight involving him with Devin Haney or Lomachenko, those are the two biggest fights in the division because they involve his name. And to me, the biggest fight in the division is is, is Loma Tank. Oh. I mean, that, that's a massive, massive fight. And if Haney beats Cambosis twice, it's a massive, massive fight, too, uh, across the board. But don't get it twisted that, you know, what we're saying right here doesn't also, like, we, we get what, what he is. Like, this is a huge fucking name in the division. We just need him to break free and become that actual, like, that huge name against the other big names. Right, because they'll be doing work, you know, winning or losing, they're going to be sharpening their tools. Right. You know, and I hate to say it, but you ain't really sharpening your tools against guys like Raleigh Ramirez. No, you are not. You're just going in there being like, all right, when you want to go to sleep, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think he views the fight at, at like the way he talks about it. It's just he dismisses the guy, and, and it's for a fucking reason, because Raleigh Romero ain't no good. No, he ain't. But the Boxing Ram podcast is. Oh, we we damn good, son. Yeah, exactly. The best of the best. Um, well, I guess we can end on that note. Well, let's get the hell out of here. It's Wednesday night. It is. Uh, we appreciate all of you tuning in to episode 348 of the Boxing Rant podcast. Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. The audio version of the show is available everywhere. Watch the video version on the Boxing Rant YouTube channel and follow us on Twitter at Vince Cummings 81 and at The Boxing Rant. Thanks for tuning in to episode 348 of the Boxing Rant Podcast. But I'm the best ever. My style is impetuous. There's no one that can match me. I'm the most brutal and vicious and most ruthless champion that's ever been. My defense is impregnable. Anybody can get it.